Hello and welcome to the Become Podcast. I'm your host, Taku. And one question I have for you today is, when you read the Bible, is there in your mind the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament? Are they two different gods, so to speak, when you read the Bible, when you try to interpret the Bible? <clears throat> and so, if your belief is yes, there are two <laughs> separate gods when you look at the Old and the New Testament, I want to challenge that notion today with this episode. Today we will be in the book of Genesis, specifically Genesis chapter 3, where we see the fall of man. We see sin enter the world and we see the consequences of sin entering the world. Now, when we look at the creation of man, man was made in the image of God, and everything was good. God says in the previous chapters that this is all good. It's good. It's good. And when he creates man and he sees man and he creates Adam and Eve, and he's like, this is, this is very good. All this is very good. But then we come to chapter 3 and there's a switch. There's a focus is now laid on the serpent. In verse 1 it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So now after all this good stuff has happened and God is like, Okay, this is all good. We then shift to the serpent. And we see the serpent having a conversation with Eve. And the serpent is challenging challenging the word of God. And then in her response, she says in verse 2, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. I want to talk about the grace of God, grace in the garden. And I'm just setting it up. But the main point I want us to take from this is that God has been gracious to us from the very beginning and he is still gracious towards us. Even when we mess up and even when there are consequences to our sin, God is gracious. And it's not God was gracious in the New Testament and God was this you know, really angry guy in the Old Testament, God has always been gracious. He has always been extending his grace towards us and his love towards us. So we will see that here. And Maybe you might have read Genesis 3 and not actually seen those parts, but let's try and see how we can <clears throat> navigate that and reveal God's grace even in the midst of the fall of man. So, in just setting that up, we see that the serpent is challenging the word of God, is challenging what God has said to Adam and Eve, and Eve is reiterating, reiterating what God has said to her. And then the serpent says in verse 4 to the woman, You will not surely die. 
For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Now, what we see here is, you know, people, I'm not really an advocate for talking to the devil, right? I think we have our, we have our person to do that. We have the Lord Jesus Christ who stands in the gap for us. But it's interesting to see that the serpent is challenging God's word and the serpent is trying to get Eve to see things differently, right? And he's using language like, <clears throat> you will not surely die, you know, trying to twist what God has said. And that's how the devil operates. The devil operates through deception. The devil tries to deceive us into thinking that that's not what God's word says. Why would a loving God say something like that? Why would a loving God put boundaries where you should be able to have freedom? And he challenges the word of God. And so that's what we must be very careful of. When we are maybe in a a place of vulnerability, or we could be moving towards sin, we must be very careful about what we are feeding ourselves, what the devil might be saying to us. We must be very grounded and very rooted in the word of God and stand on it, even when it is challenged. Because people who challenge the word, the devil will challenge the word, People of other religions might challenge what you believe in, but you have to be able to stand in what you believe in. You must be able to stand in the word. And we see here that the devil, or in this case, the serpent is challenging the word of God. And God has not given us the word so that we do not enjoy our lives. There are just certain parameters, certain boundaries that we ought to be aware of. And it is for our it's for our, you know, good. It is for our good that those boundaries are there. It's not to harm us. And so we then see that in verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. These are all things that are happening in her flesh. We see that when the devil challenges the word of God, our flesh kicks in. Our flesh is now you know, tempted by these things. And we're going to see that her decision has eternal consequences. And that's the thing we have to always remember, like in the moment. It's not just about what's going to happen in the moment. It's not about what's happening around you right now. It is about long after you make that decision. We think that we'll make a decision now and it's just for now. But there are times where we will make decisions and they will have an eternal impact. They will have a long-lasting effect. And so we must be very careful about the decisions we make now and not be tempted by the now, by the immediacy or the immediate surroundings that we're in. We must think about the long-term consequences of our decisions. Excuse me. And I know it says 
it seems to suggest that in you know in the wording that she took of its fruit and ate she also gave to her husband with her and he ate as if he was there right like with her but if you study this portion of scripture the suggestion or most bible scholars will say that this was after a period of time it wasn't i think it's in the amplified version where they explain that this is it's not it's not just an immediate thing this is after a period of time but it does beg the question in terms of adam like why didn't adam poke a bit more about this fruit why did he just give into it? There were no questions that were asked. I guess it was a trust thing. He trusted that wherever she got it from, it was fine. It's all good. But there, I guess it would have been good for Adam just to ask, like, where did you get this from? But that didn't happen. It didn't happen. And so once they ate in verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. So that's interesting. All this time, when you think about it, all this time before this occurs, they didn't even know they were naked. They were just walking in freedom and it, it, it hadn't occurred to them. You know, they weren't aware of it, but now they're aware. Now they're aware of their surroundings. Now they're aware that they are naked. In verse 25 of Genesis 2, it says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. It was like there was vulnerability there. You know, they were not ashamed, but now they're aware. They're aware of what has happened. They're aware of, oh, we're naked. Yet before they were unashamed, but now look, look at them now. When their eyes were opened, they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So now they're trying to cover up for what has happened. They're trying to, now that they've become so aware, they then want to make up for that and, and cover that. And we see that now, everything after Genesis 3 verse 6 is the result of the fall. We will see the consequences of their decisions and what they did. And let's another point I want to make is that this was willful transgression we have to remember that even in god's sovereignty we have choices to make we do have choices to make yes god planted this tree in the garden but god gave initially adam the instructions he gave adam the instructions so adam knew (laughs) adam knew what the parameters were and he understood what god had told him but he transgressed And so even when God is sovereign over all things, and there's a a question that people may ask, like, did God set these guys up? Was it like a, ha-ha, I know you're not going to be able to withstand the temptation. I know that you're going to fall into your flesh. So, you know, why bother putting the tree there in the first place? thing is when it comes to love right if you don't have free choice if you don't allow free choice you have robots and our relationship with god is not robotic it's not god telling us what to do and then controlling us to do it in the sense of us not having that choice right 
We are not robots. We have to make a choice. For it to be love, there has to be choice. And so, yes, there is God's sovereignty, but there is my ability to choose, your ability to choose. We may never understand it, right? Especially on the side of eternity, because our minds cannot comprehend such a truth, but that is what scripture teaches us. Scripture shows us that, yes, God is sovereign. However, we do have choices that we make. So we must be very much aware of that. And so we see here that once they've tried to make these coverings, verse 8 tells us that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? And he might be asking this question to some of us today. Where are you? Where are you? They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid themselves, which suggests to me that they understood when God was walking in the garden. They knew what it, it sounded like when he was walking in the garden. They, they had become familiar with the pattern. And now they're hiding. They're hiding and God has to ask, where are you? Because now they're, they're hiding. And so I just want to, I just want to, point this out to you guys, that God, first of all, doesn't ask where are you because he doesn't know where they are. He knows where they are. He's God. So he, he fully understands and he knows where they are. Second, how do you hide from God? How, how can one hide themselves from God? It is impossible to hide from God because God is everywhere and God sees everything. He's not held by time or space or matter he is god and when we have guilt this is what we tend to do we hide when we are guilty of something we will hide we cannot show ourselves to god because we don't want him to see those parts of us we don't want him to see the sin in our lives we will hide from him but how can you hide from god it's impossible to hide from God. But it just it's a it's a it's a it's what's called a self-revelatory question. Where are you? It's sort of asking you, like, where are you? When you look at your situation or when you look at sin in your life, where are you? Are you in the deepest parts of Sin, are you struggling with something? Where are you? Where are you? And God is asking us today, where are we? Where are we in our journey with him? Where are we? And then Adam responds in verse 10, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. There's a, there's a whole sermon in just that one verse but you see how so how self-aware he has become and he says that i was afraid because i was naked 
And when we're naked, yes, when we are exposed, when we have no way to hide, we get afraid. And our fears make us do, or fear makes us do things that I guess we wouldn't do before. Because this is the first time we read of Adam and him hiding, right? So it shows us that fear makes us do things we wouldn't necessarily or always do. Because he says, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Then God asked, who told you that you were naked? Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. So now Adam is shifting blame to the woman. He's now shifting blame and saying to the woman, it's, 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 your, it's the woman's fault. You created this woman. You created her. So it's kind of your fault. <laughs> it's kind of your fault, God, because you created the woman. And, you know, not taking responsibility for his sin. And we have to learn to do that. We have to learn to take responsibility for our sin. So now I've set sort of that foundation. And I want to then show God's grace, although we've already seen parts of it, for example, where he's asking Adam, where are you? That's a sign of God's grace because he's looking for for Adam. Adam's, I guess, he says he was afraid and he hid himself. He is thinking that, okay, it's about it's about to go down here. It's it's uh, it's, it's yeah, it's about to go down because God did tell me that when you eat of this, you will surely die. So, yeah, it's about to go down. But do you realize that these guys were still alive when they ate it? <laughs> they were still alive, right? They were still moving about. So, yes, physical death does come around. Death enters the world. And we now know that people don't live for as long as they would and the idea was before the fall, these guys were made in the image of God. They were, they were beings that were immortal, but death now entered because of sin. But they hadn't died. They were still alive. So that tells us that the death that was spoken of, yes, there's the physical death, but there's also a spiritual death because now there's that spiritual aspect because they're still walking. And God said, when you eat of this, you will surely die, but you are still alive. So there's a spiritual element to this. And now we see that as we go further, the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And that is the primary goal, as I mentioned, of the devil. The devil wants to deceive you. As a believer, he knows he can't take away your salvation. So what he's going to do is going to deceive you and he's going to put these lies and things into your head so that you are unable to accomplish what God has called you to. He's going to deceive you and we must be very aware of the devil and don't talk to him. Don't talk to the devil. You have Jesus who stands in the gap for you. You don't need to talk to the devil. Talk to Jesus and he will sort everything out. So then we see from 
verse 14, God says, so the, or it says, So the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. So there's a curse that he has put upon the serpent. Verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Hmm. So he's talking about seed, but then he shifts and it it becomes personal. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. I'll come back to that. Then verse 16, we see the curse that's been given to the woman where God talks about how you will bring forth children but in pain and your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And then verse 17, he says to Adam, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So we see that... God now puts this curse upon the human race. He has cursed the serpent, he curses the woman, and then he curses Adam. And we see this all around us. When we look at what happens in terms of childbearing for women, it's painful. That's, it's not, that's nothing to, to, to joke about, right? And we see that we, we strive, we work hard, we try to earn a living and we have to work hard for it but before that wasn't the case for Adam it was just strolling in the garden and doing what God had called him to do but now he had to work extremely hard and work the ground and all this so we see that this is the curse that has been set forth for the man and the woman and those are the consequences of our sins God loves us And God does not disregard sin, but there are consequences. He's gracious, yes, but there are consequences to our sin. And we have to face those consequences. We have to face them. Because when we go against God's order and what God wants, and we disobey, there are consequences for that disobedience. It's like with children and their parents. When you disobey your parents... There are consequences. So it's in the same way. When we disobey God, there are consequences. But look here. Verse 20 says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Verse 21, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Now, remember in verse 7 where their eyes were opened and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings so they tried to cover up what had happened and they tried to you know have something that they could walk in but here in verse 21 it says that god made tunics of skin and clothed them he covered them he which means that there was something that had to die so that 
or blood had to be shed so that those tunics could be made, right? Something had to die. (laughs) And when we look at this verse, as I close, and also when we look at, I want you guys to look at verse 22 to 24, because people will, might look at verse 22 to 24 and say, okay, so he sent them out of the garden and, you know, why would he do that? Why would a loving God do that? But it was actually an act of, of mercy. Because in their current state, right, they had eaten of the fruit. That means that in their current state, their spirit was dead. And if they had stayed there... And they eat, and it says here, and now lest he put out his hand, which is Adam, and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. You see, if he had done that, he would have been in that state forever. So God had to remove them from the garden so that they don't do that. And, you know, in their attempts to try and rectify the situation, I suppose. So it's an act of mercy that he actually removed them. But in verse 21, where it talks about how he made tunics skin, I want you to think about Jesus. I want you to think about how John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the ultimate Lamb which was sacrificed. He was the ultimate Lamb. The blood that was shed by Jesus ensures that we are saved for eternity. It it ensures that our sins are forgiven. And here, God shows his grace to Adam and Eve by covering them up with his solution. Not their solution, because if they continued with those, with those sown fig leaves and all the leaves, yeah, the fig leaves, if they continued with those, you know, they're going to get sick. They're going to be cold. There's no way the, those fig leaves are going to help them in terms of warmth, but God's solution ensured that they would be covered and that they would be warm and that they would be okay. And that's the gospel in a nutshell. That's the gospel in a nutshell, that God is the one who covers us. And there's innocent blood that is shed so that we are covered. And that is the blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood was shed so that we could be covered. And so you may be asking, did God set these guys up? No, God did not set up Adam and Eve. God did not set up Adam and Eve because they had a choice to make. And God did not abandoned them he came looking for adam and not only that but he made a promise in verse 15 that he would put enmity between the serpent and the woman and between the serpent's seed and the woman's seed and that he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel that is the first messianic prophecy that was made in the bible That there would be one who would come and strike the head of the serpent. And though the serpent would bruise his heel, the seed that would come from the woman would be successful in defeating the seed of the serpent. And so I just want you to carry that with you. That although we we will sin, and although sin is in the world and the devil tries to deceive us, And although we will disobey and we will struggle in the flesh, I want you to know that you don't have to try and make your own solution. God has the solution for you. 
God is looking for you. He's asking you where you are. He doesn't want to punish you for eternity. Yes, there are consequences to our sin, but he will make a way so that his grace, his grace abounds. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And we see the example here that God is a God of grace. Again, there are consequences for sin, but God is a God of grace. So carry that with you this week. Carry that truth with you. And I pray that this truth will sit in your hearts, will resonate with you, and you'll be able to go into this week understanding and knowing that the grace of God is sufficient. And the grace of God is revealed in both the Old and the New Testament. It's not, okay, there's this God in the Old Testament who likes killing people and destroying things, and then there's this God in the New Testament who's just so gracious and loving. No, it's the same God. Same God. So carry that with you. And I hope this episode helps you. If it has helped you, please share it with someone. Let them know that there is grace for them. Even with their sin, there is grace. Thank you, guys. Have a good week. Next time we will be looking at, we'll be in a series called Looking at the Words of Jesus. We're going to be examining some passages of scripture in the New Testament on the Gospels where Jesus speaks and we'll be analyzing what he says and the significance and how important they are to our daily battles. Have a good week, everyone, and I will chat to you again soon.